0: For anyone that knows of a friend or an acquaintance that has experienced a suicide loss in their life, if you are able, if you are emotionally and mentally capable, go and sit with that person and let them share their thoughts and feelings with you about it and listen without judgment, because I guarantee you that is the best gift you can give to that person.
1: You're listening to The Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma i'm mac gleason and today is international survivors of suicide loss day so to share her thoughts about this day we invited our friend barbara haithcock to talk about her late son and to offer tips to people who have also lost loved ones to suicide okay let's get the conversation started the mental health download starts now
0: I have to tell you, yes. is that, and I may cry, yeah. this is a very special day. Right. Today's my son's 40th birthday. Oh, so and sorry. that's okay. I had posted late last night. I was still up very late and I posted a thing, you know, well, happy birthday, Keith and all the things that he loved. And you're way younger. How old are you, Matt?
1: I'm 41. I'm way older. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, So you might check that out because I put, here's the things that he grew up with and loved MTV return yep. of the Jedi tiny tune adventures. Yes. You know, he, man, first Prince of Bel-Air.
1: Yes. You know,
0: all those things. And so sometimes I just, when, I, when people talk about those things, I'm like, oh, the memories, memories, and, you know, and then later Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and that kind of thing. Is that yeah. your genre too?
1: That you, are, you are talking my childhood. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I, I'm sure Keith was an amazing soul. And I'm glad that we are going to get to celebrate him on this podcast and on this day. Yeah. So
0: it, it's just great that you reached out made today
1: well that's a god thing so okay all right well let's just let's just start and tell me you know this is this is going to come out on this day that we everyone who who has lost someone to suicide we just commemorate. Their loss. So I want you to, you know, share what this day means to you. You know, like we talked about, this is really you reaching out to someone who is dealing with their grief and, you know, any tips that you could offer them will be much appreciated. So I'll just kind of let you go.
0: Okay. Well, one thing that we learned right away when we first lost our child, my son Keith, was that loss to suicide is unlike any other death. It's unlike murder or you know, loss in a car accident or cancer or any of those other things. There's so many other emotions that are tied into your inner workings of your brain and your heart and your soul when this happens to you. And especially if you lose a child. And it just plays a number on you emotionally that nobody else can understand. It's and in it, that way, I kind of felt akin to my son's mental illness because I thought. I tried to understand that. But after he died, I got a little taste of what that must feel like. But of course, we know that grief doesn't last. You know, you don't feel that immense pain forever. It abates, thankfully, or, you know, we'd end up killing ourselves, too, if we had that pain constantly for the rest of our lives. But it kind of, you know, gave you another understanding of, you know, how they were going through this. And then they never had any hope for respite from that. Having suicide support groups and finding somebody that's understanding to kind of hold space for you and let you talk through your feelings is super important. And it's it's you just have to do it to try to get through it because you really can't do it on your own. You'll drive yourself crazy because the feelings are such a swirl of guilt and failure and just and you can get depressed and. You really need help to work through that. And so if you can't find it through your loved ones, which it's very rare to find a friend or family member that can sit beside you and let you express all of these sometimes irrational feelings that come up because they might be working through their own grief at the loss or They might be judgmental coming maybe from a religious aspect or something about suicide, but just somebody that is physically present beside you to sit there and listen is the best gift you can give to somebody. But because that is so rare, therapists and support groups are so valuable. And we have some in Tulsa that are peer led and we have some that are facilitated by counselors. And they both have value. And I have gone to all of them. Everywhere at first, when the shock has happened and your loss has happened, you try to scramble for any kind of support you can get. And often that is the only thing that gets you through the week, knowing that on that Thursday night, for some reason in Tulsa, Thursday night is suicide loss night. And then you just make it through the week till you can get to your people and talk and find There's something so valuable about looking across the table and someone else is nodding along when you say the most irrational things that have been going through your head and somebody else gets it. I have found that immensely valuable to me.
1: Yeah. How long has it been since he died?
0: It's been three years, three years, October 23rd, 2017. Yes.
1: So in those 3 years you've learned a lot and so if someone was to come to you and say look you've you've talked about these support groups you've talked about these these resources tell me what I should do where would you direct them Okay
0: I definitely would recommend finding an individual counselor just to work one on one and maybe once a week maybe once every 2 weeks depending on your needs and that can fluctuate over time you may especially we have found in the winter months in the dark and the gray it is worse and the isolation is more. And now with COVID, the isolation is excruciating sometimes. So that I believe it's really important to have an individual therapist, whether you're meeting with them on Zoom or in person, and then to augment that with now, I guess, Zoom meetings for support groups. I'm not sure if there's any that are meeting in person, but the Mental Health Association has a program I went there every other Thursday for a year and a half, I think. And then AFSP, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, has a program on the opposite Thursday. So the first and third Thursday is Mental Health Association and the second and fourth Thursday is the AFSP group. And they meet at Redeemer Covenant at uh, the 101st and Yale area. There is also a very good resource through Tristess Grief Center. They have sliding scale counseling available for individual counseling or for groups. They do the National Suicide Survivor Lost Day. Um, they're having a program, but it's virtual this year on the 21st. Okay.
1: Now tell us about your you, you teaming up with other mothers who have lost um, loved ones to suicide. Tell us about that that initiative.
0: Well, we call ourselves the suicide moms and it is just a, a small group of moms and, and it is moms. And although at Greek groups, there's often sisters, you know, or spouses, and that is totally fine. But for our advocacy group, it just happens to be the moms because oftentimes you'll find that spouses, well, eventually after a couple of years, they get a new relationship and they have are able to move on. But when a mom has lost their child, there's nowhere to move on to. You are in that for the rest of your days on this planet. And so you just have to figure out how to deal with the grief that you feel and then move forward in some purposeful way. And because I don't have grandchildren and I don't have a job right now and I'm 63 years old, so I probably am not going to get one. I needed a purpose because I didn't recognize until Keith died how big a a purpose in my life that he had been for 36 years. He died at at the age of 36. And because of his mental illness, I had to be involved in a lot of aspects of his life that you wouldn't expect for an adult son. And it was a joy, though, but there was also very painful times dealing with his mental illness and psychosis, et cetera. And so as I found common ground with these moms that I met in grief groups and through that AFSP group specifically, one of the facilitators in that peer led group, they are trained facilitators through AFSP. And she suggested going to the Capitol in Oklahoma City to advocate for a suicide prevention bill. We got up early one morning and we all called ourselves the suicide moms and we went with our buttons with our kids pictures on our vests and we went to the Capitol and we didn't know anything about what we were doing. We just went in and met with mostly administrative assistants and some senators and representatives. And and that was our first foray into any kind of legislative advocacy. And because I suddenly thought, wow, I didn't know you could just walk into a senator's office. I didn't know you could just walk into the Capitol and and let your voice be heard. And now that I knew that, oh, you couldn't stop me. And so I was working with my representative, Jeff Boatman. And so when the suicide moms group that we have had time, I would say, let's advocate. You know, I would try it because I have all the extra time and I would say, hey, here's a way we can advocate. And they would join with me. And so Representative Boatman has been amazing. And he has a mental health education bill and it made it through the House of Representatives in uh, March on march 10th and i was there i happened to be there on that day and he i was crying at the time and then he points up to me in the gallery and i'm like oh don't point to me and he says, barbara haycock an advocate you know and here i am with tears running down my face which happens sometimes and but anyway his bill passed and then three days later the whole legislature shut down And so the Senate never heard it. Same with Senator Ikely Freeman's suicide prevention bill passed unanimously in the Senate. We were so cheering and then nothing. So we're going to run again. According to Representative Boatman, he's running it again. So we will continue to advocate for that as the legislative session comes up. But the um, other uh, moms are real strong on on uh, education, because we all recognize when our children were in school and were suffering, maybe some teachers recognized it. I had some teachers reach out to me and I said, Yes, I, you know, what should we do? What can we do? And there really was nothing. Nobody knew. They basically gave me the yellow pages and said, Well, maybe a mental health counselor. And my son absolutely was in denial and said, Absolutely not. Well, that was in 1996. And we now know that at that age of 14 or 15, 50% of most severe mental illnesses or lifelong mental illnesses start then. But no one is talking about that then. So we feel it's extremely important for people, you know, now people are talking about it. And uh, unfortunately, we have this coronavirus that's bringing out mental health problems in spades. And so that's the good effect of the coronavirus, I guess, is because it's bringing that to the forefront and people are recognizing our children's mental health is super important. And we're going to put resources behind that, I believe, in in the future coming up. But the other portion of our advocacy is about mental health interactions with police and law enforcement. And we are extremely active in virtual advocacy, trying to move our city from pilot programs of crisis response teams three days a week to 24 or seven, which is best practices, according to SAMHSA, which I am learning all of these acronyms and National SAMHSA Best Practices Toolkit lists 24-7 crisis response teams coming to respond to your home when you call 911 for your loved one. And if that would happen, then it would lessen the severity of the maybe possible injury or risk of injury or even death of your loved one. Because in many of these grief groups, uh, a lot of the moms and family members say the last thing I would do would be to call 911 because I would be in fear that they would not understand. And then my loved one would get arrested or injured or killed just because of an untrained response. And so we don't want to risk that. It would be crazy to say, if my loved one has a heart attack or a stroke, well, sorry, we only have people that can deal with that three days a week. And sorry, your loved one gets someone untrained to deal with that when you call 911. We would find that ridiculous. And so we, the moms find that as ridiculous that we're on a three day program, 10 hours a day. And we've been here for three years and we have not funded it or moved it forward to make it a 24 seven possibility. So.
1: Nice. All right. So as we wind up here, tell us how people can get involved with your group and what other ways would you encourage them to become advocates for what you believe in?
0: Well, for our group, 30, second and fourth Thursdays of every month. Of course, Thanksgiving is the next one. So we're not meeting then. But following that, we will be meeting on the second Thursday of December and then I'm not sure where Christmas falls, but (laughs) at any rate, going forward, we will be meeting. We are eight feet apart. We wear our masks. We're in a huge conference room, but we did stop our meetings from March to May and we were all suffering so badly that we had to take them up again because it was uh, impacting our mental health and we knew that we had to meet in person.
1: So is there that an email or a website or a Facebook page or anything that they can reach out to find details about that?
0: There is a Facebook page and it's, I believe it's under ACT because those three founding moms 13 years ago named it for their children. ACT was Adam, Chelsea and Tyler. It was founded by three moms who all lost their children. Right around the same time, about 13 years ago. So, under Facebook, I believe it's called the ACT group. Okay. And, but I would encourage everyone to make sure they know who their city council representative is and to contact them and stay abreast of what is happening. We need to provide some budget support for mental health interactions and. It shouldn't be left to, right now, grants and charitable foundations. And even though there is some city funding behind some of these programs too, but we need to also be in uh, touch with your representative or your senator and know who that is, because they're going to do the budget when it comes March of 2021. And if they're going to hold the purse strings if we get funding for Tulsa and I know money's going to be tight and it's going to be hard to do, but like I said, maybe mental illness, you know, and mental health is at the forefront of people's thoughts right now. So maybe we have a a good chance of getting funding. Yeah.
1: So as we do here at the end of every episode, I ask the guests to share just one last bit of wisdom, and then we're done. So that wisdom can be about anything you want. So so give us that, and then we'll be done.
0: Okay. Um, I have listened to your podcast all the time. So I knew you were going to ask that. And my favorites are the historical ones, by the way, Good. I really like those because I was a history major, but my little tiny bit of wisdom that I would try to impart would be for anyone that knows of a friend or an acquaintance that has experienced a suicide loss in their life. If you are able, if you are emotionally and mentally capable, go for anyone that knows of a friend or an acquaintance that has experienced a suicide loss in their life if you are able if you are emotionally and mentally capable go and sit with that person and let them share their thoughts and feelings with you about it and listen without judgment because i guarantee you that is the best gift you can give to that person